Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. And today I am joined by special guest Nick Loper. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. For folks who maybe haven't heard of you yet, probably everyone has, but uh, if they haven't heard of you yet, could you give them a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Well, I appreciate that. I would definitely not be surprised if you haven't heard of me. Um, but for the last 10 years, I've been hosting the Side Hustle Show, which focuses on part-time business ideas, creative ways to make extra money. It's absolutely been a wild ride. We have now over 550 episodes. And that was kind of started after my original side hustle became my full-time thing. And I thought that, you know, I could just be the guy. This was in the footwear shopping niche. I could be the guy who sells shoes on the internet and was very grateful to have started several side projects on the side from that after leaving the full-time job because like a lot of businesses kind of had a finite lifespan on that one and was really happy to have this blog and podcast business to fall back on. Cool. Fabulous. So it's a common theme in the work that I do with students and in Ditcherville, which is a community I have. There's a, a lot of software developers, a lot of web designers, but also architects and lawyers and accounts, a lot of people who traditionally would build by the hour. And one of the important things for folks to do is to differentiate themselves from their competitors in order to not be fighting the race to zero with their freelancer consulting rates and be able to charge a premium for what they do. Anyway, what that leads to is some kind of publishing. So I'm constantly advising people to publish their thought leadership in two forms, speaking and writing. And inside of those two forms, I, I think a mailing list and a podcast are like an amazing one-two punch. It's not for everyone, but I think those two are really work well together. And I know you've got tons of experience with growing and monetizing a content-first business. And I think it would be interesting because I know there's some folks who think like, well, wait a second. What if I, like, I'll get this question. Like, they'll, they'll start a podcast for their business to build their authority and uh, attract better and more clients, of course. And the question always comes up, should I have a sponsor for the show or should I sell ads for the show or should I sell ads or sponsored links inside of my, my newsletter? I don't do that. I, I don't have much experience with it. So I was hoping that you could share your expertise in that area for folks who might want to take that path. Yeah, I, I do. And that's one of the main revenue pillars for Side Hustle Nation these days. And they, I mean, lots of people, the outside consultant looking in is like, well, why don't you just sponsor it with your own exactly. high ticket yeah, product exactly. or service? Like, you know, and so there's definitely a, um, an argument to be made for that. I just haven't, you know, developed that, you know, super high ticket you know, value product yet for the moment. It's uh, outside sponsors that are, you know, relevant in, mo in most cases I've used myself. So that's kind of the path that I've gone, but lots of people will do it the other way. Like, um, you know, this is, you know, this is sponsored by, you know, this membership community, which happens to be mine, or, you know, come on in, the water's warm, <laughs> or, you know, I'm going to showcase my expertise on the show, especially if you see it with the, you know, solo-based shows, you know, where I'm teaching for 10, 15, 20 minutes on something that I'm an expert on. And if you want to learn more, or, you know, by the way, I'm a consultant, I'm available for hire, mm -hmm. you know, go over here to the, uh, you know, contact page to book a, you know, book a consultation. Mm -hmm. So what would, if someone was going to try, let's, let's start with podcast. If someone was going to monetize their podcast in that way, what would, you know, someone else paying for an ad or a spot, not just advertising your own thing, what would be the surprises? What, what, were there, can you recall like surprising things about that when you started doing it? Yeah, the surprising thing is how little that you'll make until the audience is quite large. I mean, it's a game of 
uh, amplitude and frequency. How how big is the audience, you know, and then how often can you reach them? And so a daily show with a big audience can do really well. But for a weekly show, and for me starting out for the first probably three years before it, you know, had any sort of traditional sponsorship, the audience just wasn't really big enough to justify it. And so having to be conscious of just how that math and how those numbers work. Now it is the wild west. So there's no set in stone pricing metrics. If you have a really niche audience that you know, you're the only game in town that reaches these particular people and you know this company really needs to sell into that crowd, then you can command you know, a premium rate for that. But if you have a broader topic and a broader audience, then you know, there's this uh, downward pressure on that. Yeah, makes total sense. I know what you just said is is totally true. And you know that if you have a sort of niche show, then you can you don't have to sort of be handcuffed by the industry standard, you know, what's this, what's it called? So clicks per million or yeah, yeah the CPM, CPM, like, Oh, it's a $25 CPM, you know, cost per thousand yeah, listens. Or yeah. Something. Um, but it's, so a lot of times I think people imagine that, well, I actually, I, I know this is true. So people say, well, I don't want to pay for a podcast. I don't want to put too much money into this show. That's not air quotes, making me money. And so they think, Oh, well maybe I'll throw some ads in there and then that'll cover the, the, editing the editor or the hosting or or my time or whatever whatever is getting burned up in that and yeah and, you know i literally literally teach a you know launch a podcast in five days kind of course to get people out of their own way and, and to start doing this and it comes up a lot in that workshop people are like oh well i don't want to spend the time to edit this and i don't want to spend whatever it is 100 or 200 dollars an episode to get it edited so i'll just throw ads in there and it'll all magically work so, like what you know zero listeners so, you know, start is brand new. So can you give folks, I don't know, like maybe you're just from your experience, like how big was your audience or how many downloads were you getting per episode before it started to make any kind of reasonable sense to put in the time and money to look for sponsors? It was probably around the same time. It was probably early 2016 and maybe it was 5,000 listens an episode, 10,000 listens an episode mm -hmm. at that stage where... You know, the revenue would, like you said, it, it would at least cover the editing expense. It would, and probably was it was profitable on top of that too. So I've had the same editing service for years and years and very gracious that they haven't raised the rates uh, over that time. <laughs> so there's some level of uh, inflation or maybe I'm grandfathered in at, you know, at these early rates because they like to say, hey, you know, we have the side hustle show as part of our client base. But right. That I, you know, I edited myself for the first years, and this was probably a mistake of not spending the you know the half an hour on YouTube to actually learn how to do it because it was like, oh, just I'll just you know, hey, the audio you know you know I'm coming in louder than my guest. It's like, well, I'll just amplify it. It's like just blow everybody's earbuds out, and you know, there's some <laughs> you know, little audio audio. I mean, even tools like Auphonic, like they can make you sound much better for next to nothing and you can figure that stuff out and even tools like descript can uh, just you know erase it from the transcript you know where the conversation went off the rails and it'll edit it out of the audio or video like the tools have become much easier uh, if you were to go the right. do-it-yourself route okay so i feel like i'm gonna i feel like i don't want to necessarily talk people out of the idea of getting sponsors but but I do want them to sort of be eyes wide open. So if there are, they are thinking, no, I really want to do this. I want to be a sort of media first play. How would someone go about getting sponsors? I guess it sounds like a dumb question, but is there, is there like a way to do it? I've never, I've literally never tried this. So I have no idea. Yeah. So I, I'll give you the 
what I what I had my my genius idea early on, and then kind of what actually ended up working was, <laughs> I would go to the archives. I actually had my virtual assistant go through the archives of Entrepreneurs on Fire daily business podcast in a similar niche. She created this list of you know fifty or seventy five hundred or um, of sponsors that John had on his show, and it's like okay, here are the five or ten companies that you know I like that I am a customer of myself or you know otherwise would be a good fit, and then from there the trail kind of went cold. Like I had a really hard time reaching decision makers at these companies, or you'd get a response like oh you know our our ad buying agency handles our handles our media you know buying and it's like. Okay, well, do you have a contact there? It kind of it was, became really difficult really fast. What ended up working mm-hmm. instead was you know putting the podcast out on these different podcast ad sales agencies. So AdvertiseCast is one; it's owned by Libsyn, one of the largest hosting companies. Gumball is another one that has sent some deals over, and then a lot of deals at this point come in direct. Like, hey, we you know we've been listening to the show; we think it's a good fit. Like, and some of those sponsors have been around for years. Mm. There you go. So people wanted to do this. In most cases, they're going to need, you, you think, five or 10,000 downloads per episode for it to start to make time invest sense for time investment, like if you're just doing everything yourself? I, you know, I don't want to, because that's a big audience. And so you don't want to discourage people from going, starting earlier. Mm-hmm. But more likely, if you are smaller, you're going to know who the players are in your space, like who would be the perfect advertiser fit. And so creating a custom mm-hmm. package for them, where it's not just based on the number of impressions, it's based on, you know, social media support, it's based on, you know, email marketing, it's based on, you know, holding a live Q&A, like really playing it up, like, hey, it's a, it's a whole package, <laughs> not just, you know, we're going to yep. deliver you 20,000 impressions. Right. Okay. Well, so what, what were the things that, but certainly having a bigger audience, the bigger the audience, the better, like yeah. you said earlier. So how would you... What would you say to people who wanted to grow their podcast listening audience? Yeah, the framework that I look at this through is called climbing the listener pyramid. So if you imagine a four-tiered pyramid with strangers on the bottom, then listeners, then subscribers, and then fans. And so every piece of content that you create is trying to ascend people along that pyramid and recognizing that the biggest part of the pyramid, unfortunately, is strangers, people who (laughs) don't know you exist. And it's that battle for discovery that really every content creator is fighting. And podcasts in particular have a uphill battle here because just of the barrier to, I don't know, it's hard to get somebody to, first of all, click on your thing that, and then discover, oh, it's a, it's audio, it's a podcast. Okay, so now I gotta find my podcast app. I gotta find, I gotta search for yeah. your specific show. I gotta scroll down to the specific episode you're talking about if it's not you know number one on the list here. I got to carve out the 45 minutes of my day to listen to you. It's it's a big ask in a lot of ways. And so that title is really important. It's got to be really compelling uh, to get people to to click in. And that was something I was really grateful to have discovered early on where, you know, I would be, so I interviewed a guy and his claim to fame was I earned enough money on Fiverr to buy a house. And I was like, what what could you possibly be selling on Fiverr, (laughs) you know, for $5 that you would afford you that, that luxury? And he's like, Nick, 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 you know, it's all about the, he was an early disciple of, of Jonathan, you know, he's like all about the value-based pricing. Like, okay, you know, it starts at $5. That's like the, <laughs> you know, the PDF or the audio file that you already created. But if they really want your time, you know, that's in the upsells and like, that's when you create the custom packages, you do all this stuff. But that was, and that was the title of the episode. Like how this one mm-hmm. guy earned enough money on Fiverr in his first year to buy a house rather than, you know, 
how to start freelancing on Fiverr or, you know, because I would go on podcasts and they do do what you're supposed to do. They say, Nick, hey, thanks right, so much right, for joining right, me. Right. Your episode is live today. You know, here's the link if you want to share. And it's like 33 Nick Loper. And it's like, well, who, <laughs> this is not compelling to anybody. Like nobody knows who I am. Like, what are you going to learn? What are you going to take away from this, uh, you know, from this uh, episode of, of tuning in? So think about that, the the listener transformation or the audience transformation. What are they going to get in exchange for their time? Um, yeah. And then for me, it was like guerrilla marketing. Like I didn't have any audience to speak of in the early days, but mm -hmm. it was, you know, I had this, you know, five or 10 years of email history and LinkedIn history and Facebook history of just, you know, a network that had been accumulated through work and friendships. And so it was one-on-one -on -one outreach to be like, hey, I just started this thing. Uh, I know you might not be in the market for a side hustle, but if you know anybody is, every download helps. You know, every download helps boost me up in the algorithm. You know, I would love if you would check it out or share it. And that was kind of like, you know, getting up to that first like 50 download day where it's like, I feel, you know, reasonably confident. I have gone outside my own circle of influence at that point, which was very nerve wracking. Like, you know, now there's strangers listening to this. Like, what if they think it sucks? And that was kind of scary. But trying to, you know, get somebody to give you a chance, like to get take that first step on the pyramid up to that listener <laughs> step of the pyramid. And then from there, trying to convert the like, you know, deliver what you promised in the title, you know, try to get to the point quickly, all of the good, you know, podcasting best practices stuff, but trying to convert that listener into a subscriber, both an audio subscriber and an email subscriber. Like, hey, this is something that's worth tuning into again and again. It's always something interesting, valuable, beneficial, et cetera. And then, you know, some compelling reason to get on your email list. For a lot of years, that was a, you know, a PDF highlight reel of the episode. That's what we called it. Like, hey, you're out walking the dog, you're at the gym, you're driving in the car, you're not in a great place to take notes. Don't worry, we did it for you. If you want all of the juicy nuggets that my guest dropped today, you know, we've got those all in a downloadable free format for you. Just go over here and uh, you can punch in your email. We'll get that right to you. And that, that's, that was really the inflection point for the business and the podcast. So this was a little over a year into the show. It took me seriously 14 months to figure this out that, you know, a, a podcast does not a business make. It's a content marketing channel for a business. But that was, you know, it had muscled my way, you know, through grit and determination <laughs> to have like a thousand email subscribers after 14 months. Yeah. But within three months of turning this on, you know, it was 3,000. Within six months, it was 6,000. Within 12 months, it was 12,000. It was a really big uh, turning point for the business. And now all of a sudden, uh, you could I, I turned the anonymous listening audience into, mm. oh, people I actually have contact information for. I can promote the next episode. They've got something in their inbox they can easily forward to a friend. It was it was a really important point. And, and listenership didn't drop. That was the other thing I was afraid of. Like, oh, if I'm publishing this in text format or emailing people about it, like, you know, are, are people still going to tune in? That didn't really happen. So... That was kind of the uh, next tier from listeners to subscribers. Cool. Okay. So that's a good segue into the mailing list, the, the sort of that, that channel. Why do you think it's so important to have that mailing list? Like that you, you, I mean, I'm sure it was work to create those sort of content upgrades and, and drive people to share their email address with you. Why did you go to that trouble? Gosh, it was, you know, probably the most important thing that I've done, you know, we're at the whims, you know, I mean, I'm in a period of time where the Google algorithm is smiling upon me and I'm you know, happy to get while the getting's good, but I also realize that doesn't last forever, where the email list is something that I have a little bit more control over. I can hit send and reach 
you know, now over 100,000 subscribers, which is just mm. crazy to, you know, blast out to a stadium full of people. And, it's, <laughs> you know, awesome. I mean, you know, you don't, surprisingly, you don't hear back as much as you would until you screw something up and they're like, you know, you've, you had a typo in line two, you know, whatever. Yeah, link's broken. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> link's broken. Thanks. Um, but super, super important just to have a little bit more control over your audience and to be able to communicate directly with them instead of relying on them to proactively, you know, go out and download or for the, you know, the YouTube algorithm to show you to somebody or Google to, you know, have this article made discoverable. So really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, preaching to the choir, I was just curious if you had the same experience. I think a mailing list is, is, is huge for so many reasons. How often do you send to your list? Typically once a week, as far as like a, a newsletter update type of email, which is usually promoting the latest content and some interesting finds on the internet. Like, you know, you might also like this, this, and this, and actually added another revenue stream over the last year or so, which was a sponsored link in that, you know, you might also like mm. section. And so that's kind of been an interesting little, little incremental addition, not something that is necessarily going to, you know, cover, you know, pay the mortgage or anything, but it's a little something. And then the other thing, like when somebody signs up for the first time, there's a multi-week kind of welcome series. You know, I call it my long-term nurture sequence that hopefully bubbles up some of the best content over the last 10 years. Like, hey, you know, if you're new to this stuff, you might not have seen this, this, and this, and just trying to bring that to the forefront for new subscribers. Mm, yeah, I do a similar thing on mine. It's my, I call it my onboarding sequence orientation. Yes. Uh, cool. So what was the... So you said the the sponsored link is just something sort of new you're experimenting with? Yeah, and there's a couple of marketplaces that help sell these. So again, similar to the podcast sponsorship, some of these are sold direct. Some of those are sold through different agencies that facilitate this sort of thing. So Paved, I think it's paved.co maybe, um, kind of a newsletter sponsor broker. And then Swapstack is the other one uh, that has sent some deals this way. Mm. And from a from a time management standpoint, I, I have heard, again, don't have direct experience, but I've heard that there's, you know, a fair amount of administrative, there can be a fair amount of administrative back and forth with your, you know, the people who are buying ads. How much, if someone was going to do this, like how automated has it become over the years? Is it just like very simple thing for you to include a sponsored link in there? Or is it, is it like more, just how much work, I guess, is what I'm wondering. Yeah. I mean, always better. It's similar to the podcast ad, like always better if you can have a, you know, multi-month campaign where, you know, you have three or four copy rotations that you just plug in there on a, you know, whatever their turn comes up in the cycle mm -hmm. again. But a lot of them through these different marketplaces are kind of one-off campaigns. And so there is a little bit of back and forth more so, more so through paved because they have their own kind of like open tracking pixel that they want to show in there. And you got to send a test campaign, make sure the copy looks good to the advertiser. Mm -hmm but less so with swap stack. Hey, this is, this is the copy, paste it in there. This is the link to use. You're good to go. Is it like a, and it has like, it's like an affiliate link or they can tell it's like, must be unique to you. Yeah. I think it's like a kind of a redirect tracking link. So they could say, Oh, you drove 150 clicks or something. Got it. Cool. All right. So I don't know. Does that, does it feel like it sounds like it doesn't sound like a lot of work, but it sounds like not, kind of work it's, it's not zero yeah. it's not zero but it's not i don't know in terms of an hourly rate i think it's still pretty pretty strong mm, okay that's fair all right so if we so 
what are the what are the big parts of your content empire right so the podcast has to be huge the mailing list is obviously huge are there other things going on that other channels that you're publishing through like i don't know youtube tiktok linkedin yeah, YouTube is a kind of a growing, I mean, YouTube is huge, but it still feels like kind of this blue ocean for me because historically haven't paid much attention to it. So trying to play around with shorter format interviews over there, um, dedicated kind of YouTube first content, a lot of times repurposed from blog content, um, just to say, well, there, hey, there's a video component, let's have double the chance of being discovered in search and hopefully, you know, improve the perceived value of that written content page in the search results. And then, you know, really just in the past few months, having my assistant start to slice up the podcast episodes to create YouTube shorts, to create TikTok videos. And I, you know, have yet to really, you know, hit the viral uh, lottery on on really any of those, but it's it's out there, you know, they're doing their thing. So it's growing and you see the, uh, you see the view time creep up, you see the subscriber base creep up. So I'm, I don't know, putting it out there, but really the, the primary channel outside of the podcast has been the, the blog, for lack of a better term, like blog, you know, I think a blog is like a personal journal, but more of, you know, building out this library of hopefully helpful question and answer keyword intent based content uh, through the Side Hustle Nation site. And again, this is a period of time where the Google algorithm has been smiling upon me. And it's like, okay, this is great. And realizing uh, it took a long time to kind of lean into the fact that, you know, the podcast audience and the blog audience are large, there's not a lot of overlap there, which I, you know, for the first several years of the business, I kind of figured they were one and the same, but the, the podcast audience, these are, these are my people. Like these are, you know, the entrepreneurial people, they tune in week after week and you build this relationship <laughs> with them. They're hanging out, you know, you're hanging out in their earbuds. It's a really, it's a, it's a really cool place to be. The blog audience in contrast is much more transactional. It's, you know, typing a question into Google, you know, solve my problem today, give me the answer now, and then I'm off to do my thing. They're the people signing up, you know, in my, I don't know, I don't have hard data on this, but like, you know, they're more likely to be the people signing up to deliver for Instacart or something, you know, and there's an affiliate program for that versus the podcast audience, much more like I'm going to build my own thing, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, 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 totally. Huh. Okay. So would you, it, it sounds like you have like a whole bunch of sort of little, I don't know what well, little is not, not fair, but it sounds like a lot of, I don't want to say the word little, but I guess it's the word. It's like a, a little <laughs> streams of, of income versus what, you know, like you said earlier, the big ticket, it's not like you have a big ticket consulting offering that you're, you know, you're trying to have like three to seven really big clients per year. I mean, you have legitimate like customers, like audience. Yeah. So it's it's natural that you've you've got a lot of little purchases and and it seems like right is that is that fair to say? Yeah, and that's actually the topic of this week's episode. Like you know the 15, 16, 17 different income streams, and not all of them are very big at all, but they do add up to be a full time you know a healthy nice. full time six figure living. Um, but the and it's and it's work that honestly you know fills me up. Like it's super rewarding to be able to have conversations like these and to be able to turn the mic and ask mm -hmm. people like, well, how did you build that? How'd you come up with that idea? Where'd you get your first customers for that? Um, was very interesting in 2013 and still is, you know, peaking that curiosity now, you know, 10 years later, but the, yeah, I, I like, you know, I, okay. I take no offense to the word little, like I call them kind of like mini digital assets in a lot of ways, like thinking about each piece of content that you create as a little 
you know, as a little micro right. business that you kind of send out into the world to do your bidding. And you know, the YouTube is a great example of that. I've been surprised at the shelf life of some of these videos, you know, and sometimes like it's the dumbest, like, like you know, solving your own problem. And when it, in, just years ago, it was like how to keep Dropbox from uh -huh. you know, taking up your local storage space. Like it, it's supposed to be cloud storage. <laughs> Why is it on my hard drive too, right? And it, it was a simple little checkbox. So it's like a one minute screen recording video that still, you know, it gets views, it gets, you know, now that the channel is monetized, it still earns ad revenue every month. An example of these little mini digital assets that go out there and can earn That's revenue wild. and subscribers and so income over time. How do you, I mean, you've mentioned a, a VA a couple of times, like, how do you keep track of all this stuff? It seems like, a, it seems like a lot of things to keep track of, at least for, for, for me, I'm used to a, a smaller number of and certainly when I was doing consulting, I had like maybe two or three clients a year tops. And it was just so easy to keep it all in my mind. Yeah. It, it's and maybe maybe it's just a personality thing. I'm not good at a like lot of little details. It feels like it would be a lot of little details to keep track of and, and tend to is that is that a myth? Or is that am I imagining that? I mean, for the most part, once something is published, it's published, especially on the podcast, because it's such a pain to go back and, and change it. Right. So once that's done, it's done. On the written content side of things, this is where it does get a little bit tedious. And I have yet to build a really great system for it because it's like, you know, a lot of this stuff requires constant updating. Like, is this still accurate? Is this still, you know, the list of items that you would recommend for topic XYZ? And so that's where it kind of becomes painting the Golden Gate Bridge where you, you know, by the time you get down with your list, it's time to start over back at the beginning. And I use, like, I'll look at the at Google Analytics and say, you know, which of these high priority posts lost traffic over the last 30 days. And so, okay, you probably lost a little bit in the rankings. It's time to bump that up, update the timestamp on that and just update that content and give it a little refresh. So it's much faster than creating something completely from scratch, but it still takes some time. So we rely heavily on you know, Google, you know, just Google Sheets, Google Docs uh, to track, you know, what's coming up on the podcast. Um, in terms of the guests and the sponsors and, you know, what, you know, what stage of the process are we at? And mm -hmm. uh, that's, I don't know, I, I definitely could probably benefit from a more streamlined or elaborate system, but it may seem like there's more work than there actually is. Mm. And so you have just the one VA or do you have other folks working on it? I've got kind of a, 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 a very lean team of kind of on-demand specialists is what I will call them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they don't necessarily know each other, but they all right. kind of connect through me and a lot of through agencies. So podcast editing is through an agency. The, you know, one of my uh, virtual assistants is through an agency called OK Relax. The, <laughs> the, yeah, I've yeah. been a customer there for years. They're awesome. The, you know, tech side of the business is handled by a service called Zen WP and other kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. website insurance. If something breaks, if you want to make a tweak, you know, you just, you have somebody to message instead of, well, shoot, you know, now I got to start tinkering with WordPress code and hopefully you yeah. know, hit refresh and hopefully it doesn't break the whole thing. I have another <laughs> assistant who is kind of the general admin assistant who's you know, doing the uploading of the podcasts into YouTube. She's in my inbox. So she's handling light customer support, email filtering, email triage, really, you know, what's going to be important. Make sure yeah. that I see that stuff. Um, handling, you know, admission into the Facebook group because that's uh, kind of been a, a newer top of the funnel entry point where Facebook has started recommending you know, the Side Hustle Nation Facebook mm. group to a broader audience. We're like, well, that's cool. We'll we'll take those people and hopefully try and introduce them to the broader mm. ecosystem. 
but lots of little things. And then another, my other assistant is the you know video editor person who's now slicing up the podcasts and doing that. So lots of kind of all very part-time and all very kind of on demand, but lots of different people in different parts of the business. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Is the, the Facebook group you just mentioned, is that, so, does Facebook have like ads and communities? I don't even know. Is that something that's monetized directly or do you just see it as part of the people moving from the strangers area of the pyramid up to, you know, listeners? Is it a funnel into like the podcast and the mailing list and the blog and all of that? Or is it, is it a different strategic move? Yeah. It funnels into the email list when people request to join so I found this really cool tool about a year and a half ago called Group Leads, where it integrates directly from Facebook into Active Campaigns. You know, when somebody requests to join the group, you can ask them three questions. And I ask, do you have a side hustle? If yes, you know, tell me about it. And, you know, would you like to receive my best stuff uh, over email? You know, mm. click here or, you know, enter your email here. And that automatically pushes it over to Active Campaign. And so that's been another driver of incremental probably hundreds of subscribers per month, probably not thousands, but like, you know, incremental subscriber base there. And now, you know, I have something I can proactively contact those people and say, hey, the latest episode or, you know, hey, I made you a custom playlist or here's the greatest hits playlist. You ought to check this out if you haven't listened to the show before. You know, Facebook, I still believe is probably a top five uh, site in terms of traffic, which means the top five search engine in terms of volume. And so the way I think about it is when people are searching my primary keyword of side hustles or side hustle ideas, like I would love to be discovered there. And the group is one of those channels that is, um, right. that is uh, discoverable through Facebook search. Mm. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm like noticing my internal reaction to like a lot of the, I mean, everything you're saying is great. It's like, it, it makes perfect sense. It's really smart it's like, it's so not me, but I'm sure that I'm getting stressed <laughs> out just thinking of all the little details, but I am positive that there are people listening who, 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 you know, for whom this is a great fit, you know, folks who align uh, more with your style and are, I should probably check out more stuff from you. Cause I, this is like, I'm like <laughs> getting overwhelmed. Just listening to it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be no, stressing no, no. you out. And that, that was my like hesitation to do the Facebook group probably started in 2015. Mm -hmm. Like do the, does the world need another entrepreneurial Facebook group? How much time am I going to have to spend moderating this thing? Yeah. Like all of these doubts right. in my mind. And at this point have a awesome team of volunteer moderators and my assistant handling the, you know, admission checklist kind of thing. Like, is this person a obvious scammer or a spammer? Like, do, you know, decline if they seem like a actual real person, like, okay, we can admit them into the, to the yeah. group. But yes, it does. And again, we're, we're almost 10 years into this business. Right. You know, none of this happened right out of the gate. At the beginning, it was blog, podcast, and a team of zero, mm -hmm. you know, I was like doing everything mm -hmm. myself and then slowly try and extract different elements that don't really light me up or don't really... Um, they, they don't require my nece my necessary expertise. Right. Got it. Well, how much time are, are you creating a lot of, I mean, the podcast is, is sounds like that's new every week, but are you creating a lot of new content on the blog or is it more like the, 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 the golden gate bridge where you're, you're just sort of keeping stuff up to date. So like, do you spend a lot of time creating new stuff outside of the podcast? Not as much as I'd like, because this is, it's actually a really important driver. If you can stack up these um, these evergreen articles that just stick to the first page of Google sometimes for years, like that's a mm. you know that's a really powerful asset to have. 
but I've had a hard time delegating that and I've tried a few different in, in fits and starts, like trying to outsource that content production, but you know, it comes back and it's like, well, that's not, it's perfectly passable. Right. But it's like, well, that's not how I would phrase it. Or, you know, is this really, right. you know, first page of Google worthy? Like, you know, I really, you really got to polish this up to, to create something that <laughs> is going to, is going to rank. It's going to stick there. And so I spend a lot mm -hmm. of time editing that after the fact. And so would love to figure out, you know, the repeatable system and process to have somebody else write this stuff. Because I've got the keyword research list, which is a, a ton of fun to do. And like, oh, look at the search volume on this. And like, oh, it's really low difficulty. Like really confident that I could rank for this. But it's like, <laughs> then I look at the, you know, four or five hours that it might realistically take to create that thing. And it's like, uh, I don't know. So it's much easier to justify updating the thing that slipped in the rankings versus trying to create something completely from scratch. Right, right. What are the, just out of curiosity, is there something that you notice? So for folks who would, would love the idea or love the sound of an evergreen article, what are those usually like super long detailed how to's, or is there any pattern that you see with those that Google seems to like at least now? Yeah, definitely the how to's were a thing. And that's kind of what we'll try and do with podcast episodes when it's relevant. So we had Brian Scudamore on the show. He's like the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And so it was how to start a junk hauling business. That's how we titled the episode and detailed, you know, how to start a pressure washing business, how to start a window cleaning business. And so we have those types of articles and try and beef those up to rank, not just in you know, the podcast search engine, but also in Google and say, this is what this episode is about. And this is a great resource. And it's also multimedia. You got audio, you got the written version, but it's uh, definitely a challenge to do that. The other format that still still works is kind of the listicle format, you know, so the site ranks well for, you know, ways to make extra money or side hustle ideas or yeah, you know, side hustles for <laughs> introverts and stuff like that. And it's, it's uh, kind of surprising, but that stuff still does really well. Hmm. Well, that's, that, it's been true for a long time. So I guess it makes sense that it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't just go out of style overnight. Yeah. And they're relatively easy to create because you're like, well, I can create an outline for this in five minutes, especially if it's something that you have some topical authority on. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of just filling in that outline. And maybe you can copy and paste from something you've already written and, you know, just re rework it a little bit. So there's some acceleration tactics there, but it's still like the formatting and the, you know, internal linking and the, you know, all of the other little behind the scenes stuff that goes into SEO is, is the time consuming part. Got it. Well, I think you just gave me the show title, which is How to Monetize a Content First Business with Nick Loper. <laughs> right. Cool. I'm sure we could talk all day about this stuff, but um, but where can people go to find out more about what you're doing and, and perhaps listen to your podcast or sign up for your mailing list? Yeah, of course. Would love to have you tune into the show. It's got the bright green cover art with my mug on it at the at the moment. Um, you can find it in any podcast app. If now I did warn you, there's over 500 episodes. So if you go to hustle.show is where you'll be able to get your own curated, customized playlist. Just answer a few short questions, and I'll spit back out. You know, hopefully five, ten relevant episodes to you that you can add to your device. You probably already have a business, so normally I would plug sidehustlenation.com slash ideas. You probably passed that stage, so definitely would encourage you to check out the podcast and the, specifically the episodes on growing the types of freelancing, consulting, productized service businesses that you're in. Perfect. This has been awesome. Thanks so much, Nick. You bet. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hello, dear listener. 
I'm here to tell you that registration is now open for the pricing seminar. Who's the pricing seminar for? It's for designers and developers and marketers and photographers and illustrators and analysts and lawyers and architects and any other independent professionals who are tired of not getting paid what they're worth. But how do you know if TPS is for you? Well, one sure sign is that you're working harder than ever, but you're just not getting ahead. You're making the same money you made last year or the year before. Another sign is that you're slammed some months, working 40, 50, 60 hour weeks every week for months. And then you're dead for months after that, wondering how you're going to pay your rent. Another sure sign is that you're losing business to amateurs, folks who are brand new to whatever it is you do, who are undercutting you with a lower hourly rate and taking away your business. Here's what you need to know about the pricing seminar. It's not a DIY video course that you download and maybe someday finish watching if you even start it at all. Nope, it's an interactive online workshop where you learn by doing. That's right, there's homework and people to help keep you accountable for doing it. As a group, we walk through the process of conceiving, researching, designing, marketing, pricing, and selling to clients who are anxious to buy. So if you're ready to finally start getting paid what you're worth, enroll now before it's too late. Lessons start Monday, and folks from all over the world are already connecting in the private community. Go to thepricingseminar.com to enroll now. It only takes 60 seconds to sign up. That URL again is thepricingseminar.com. If you're ready to start getting paid what you're worth, I hope you'll join us.